This is the Bible in One Year Express, day 341. Is God really in control? Do you sometimes wonder whether God is really in control? Maybe something's gone wrong with your health, relationships, job, or some other situation in your life, and you wonder, does God know? Does God care? Is there anything he can do about it anyway? One of the things that I remember so well about Bishop Sandy Miller's time as vicar of HCB is that whenever things seemed to have gone wrong or we were facing some kind of crisis, he would always remind us, the Lord reigns. God not only loves you, but he is also the sovereign Lord who is ultimately in control of your life. He is also in control of events and history. As A.W. Tozer wrote, God is love and God is sovereign. His love disposes him to desire our everlasting welfare and his sovereignty enables him to secure it. The Lord reigns. From Psalm 139 For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depth of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. The Lord reigns from conception to death. You do not need to worry about or fear death. God has a good plan and purpose for your life. Even before you were born, he planned all the days of your life. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Human life begins at the moment of conception. God's sovereign love extends to those in the womb. This is where our personal history began. You watch me grow from conception to birth. All the stages of my life were spread out before you. The days of my life all prepared before I even lived one day. God is in control from the moment of your conception to the moment of your death and beyond. Put your trust in him. Lord, thank you for your sovereign love for every human being. Help us to extend that same love and protection to all. New Testament from 3 John 1 The Elder To my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, just as you are progressing spiritually. It gave me great joy when some believers came and testified about your faithfulness to the truth, telling how you continue to walk in it. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Dear friend, you are faithful in what you're doing for the brothers and sisters, even though they're strangers to you. They've told the church about your love. Please send them on their way in a manner that honours God. It was for the sake of the name that they went out, receiving no help from the pagans. 
We ought therefore to show hospitality to such people, so that we may work together for the truth. I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to be first, will not welcome us. So when I come, I will call attention to what he's doing, spreading malicious nonsense about us. Not satisfied with that, he even refuses to welcome other believers. He also stops those who want to do so and puts them out of the church. Dear friend, do not imitate what is evil but what is good. Anyone who does what is good is from God. Anyone who does what is evil has not seen God. I have much to write to you, but I do not want to do so with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Peace to you. The Lord reigns over every area of your life. God wants to bring restoration to every area of your life today. The Apostle John prays for his dear friend Gaius in a holistic way. I pray for everything you do and for your good health, that your everyday affairs prosper as well as your soul. John was thrilled to hear that Gaius was making spiritual progress. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. They've told the church about your love. However, John's prayer extends beyond the spiritual to the physical needs of Gaius. There's nothing wrong with praying for friends to enjoy good health and that all may go well with them. Faith is made visible by love. Love is practical. Hospitality is an act of love. In providing meals and a bed, we become companions in spreading the truth. When you show hospitality, you are part of a long Christian tradition that goes back to the New Testament. John warns Gaius about diotrophies, who not only refuses hospitality to travelling Christians, but tries to stop others from welcoming them. He loves to be in charge and will have nothing to do with John, but spreads vicious rumours about him. Even the holy and loving Apostle John did not win everyone's approval. He urges Gaius, don't go along with evil, model the good, and he prays, peace to you. John deliberately does not put everything down on paper. Some things are best reserved for face-to-face meetings. Lord, today I pray for my family and friends that they will enjoy good health and that all may go well with them. Old Testament from Zechariah 1-4 During the night I had a vision, and there before me was a man mounted on a red horse. He was standing among the myrtle trees in a ravine. Behind him were red, brown, and white horses. Then the man standing among the myrtle trees explained, They are the ones the Lord has sent to go throughout the earth. And they reported to the angel of the Lord who was standing among the myrtle trees, They've gone throughout the earth and have found the whole world at rest and in peace. Therefore this is what the Lord says, I will return to Jerusalem with mercy, and there my house will be rebuilt. Then I looked up, and there before me was a man with a measuring line in his hand. I asked, Where are you going? He answered me, To measure Jerusalem, 
to find out how wide and how long it is. While the angel who was speaking to me was leaving, another angel came to meet me and said to me, Run, tell that young man, Jerusalem will be a city without walls, and I myself will be a wall of fire around it, declares the Lord, and I will be its glory within. Come, Zion, escape, you who live in daughter Babylon. For this is what the Lord Almighty says, After the glorious one has sent me against the nations that have plundered you, for whoever touches you touches the apple of his eye, I will surely raise my hand against them, so that their slaves will plunder them. Then you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me. Shout and be glad, daughter Zion, for I am coming, and I will live among you, declares the Lord. Now Joshua was dressed in filthy clothes as he stood before the angel. The angel said to those who were standing before him, Take off his filthy clothes. Then he said to Joshua, See, I have taken away your sin, and I will put fine garments on you. I will remove the sin of this land in a single day. In that day, each of you will invite your neighbor to sit under your vine and fig tree, declares the Lord Almighty. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. The Lord reigns over events and history. It's not just in your own life that things can go wrong and you can wonder whether God is really in control. Sometimes as we look at world events and history, we wonder what on earth is going on? Does the Lord really reign in all the chaos? Zechariah's original audience needed to be reminded that the Lord reigns. He was a priest and prophet who prophesied to the people who'd returned to Jerusalem, devastated after many years in exile. Zechariah lifts their gaze to God with messages of hope and salvation. God reigns, and he has not finished with his people. At the heart of this renewed hope are promises of renewed relationship with God, which are ultimately fulfilled through Jesus. Again and again, in these visions, we get glimpses of Jesus. First, God will return. The book opens with a call to repentance as God calls the people to return to him. Alongside the call, there is a promise. Return to me, declares the Lord Almighty, and I will return to you. Returning to God means repenting and admitting our guilt. God's promise to return is illustrated by a vision of a man riding a red horse. God promises everything's under control. He cares about them. The Lord reigns and he loves you. It seems that the myrtle trees are a picture of the people of God then and the church now. And so it symbolizes Jesus, the man riding the red horse who stands among his church. If this is the case, then it is Jesus who intercedes for the church. His intercession was answered. I'll see to it that my temple is rebuilt. This has a literal historical fulfillment in the rebuilding of the temple in Jerusalem, but it also applies to the church. Second, God will protect. Next, Zechariah saw a man with a measuring line in his hand. Again, this could be Jesus. God promises that Jerusalem will be a city without walls, but he will be a wall of fire around it and its glory within. The church is the new Jerusalem, a city without walls. It is the apple of his eye. God's Spirit lives among us. He assures them, 
Anyone who hits you hits me. He promises, I'm moving into your neighborhood. Third, God will forgive. I have a habit of putting pens in my back trouser pocket and then sitting on them, leaving a stain that seems impossible to remove, however often the trousers are washed. You cannot remove the stain of sin in your own life, but Jesus can. The angel of the Lord appears to foreshadow Jesus. Standing before Jesus, Zechariah saw Joshua the high priest and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. The name Satan means accuser. But Jesus is more powerful than Satan. The Lord rebuked Satan and said to Joshua, Is not this man a burning stick snatched from the fire? This is an image that applies to all who've been rescued by Jesus. Joshua was dressed in filthy clothes, standing before Jesus, who said, Take off his filthy clothes. I have taken away your sin, and I will put rich garments on you. Jesus cleanses and reclothes you through the cross. The Lord Almighty says, I'm going to bring my servant the branch. It continues, And I will remove the sin of this land in a single day. This points to the first Good Friday when Jesus removed all our sin in a single day. The result is, in that day, each of you will invite your neighbor to sit under your vine and fig tree. This is a symbol of peace, security, and prosperity. Fourth, God will give you his spirit. God's word came to Zerubbabel, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit. Neither the temple nor the church is built by might or power. You can't force these things. They only come about through my spirit. Are you facing a seemingly impossible situation? You cannot overcome by sheer willpower. Ask for the help of the Holy Spirit. Do not despise the day of small things. Don't look at seemingly minor accomplishments as unimportant. Don't despise apparently insignificant Humble, small beginnings. The kingdom of God starts with a mustard seed, which grows into a big tree. Small numbers make no difference to God. There's nothing small if God is in it. Everything big has to start small. Nothing you do for God goes unnoticed or unrewarded. You may not see the fruits, but you are accomplishing God's purposes. Don't give up on your dream. The Lord reigns. He is in charge of events and history. In his sovereign love, by his spirit, from a day of small beginnings, the temple was rebuilt. Now you can trust him to keep building and rebuilding the church from small beginnings by his spirit. Lord, thank you that you have removed my sin and given me peace, security and spiritual prosperity. I pray that you will pour out your spirit and rebuild your church. Pepper adds, In 3 John chapter 1, verse 2, it says, I pray that you may enjoy good health, and that all may go well with you. This seems a very good prayer to pray for family and friends this Christmas. <laughs> 